Good morning. This is, it might not be morning for you, but I need to go ahead and acknowledge that even if it's not morning, you woke up at some point. So that's true, whether or not you listen to this in the morning. So good morning to you, good soul. Um, I, my name is Hannah Nuss. I am trying to get better at owning my morning practice of doing a podcast uh, because it is not necessarily something I acknowledge or appreciate out loud. So my name is Hannah Nuss. I created this podcast because I am a dreamer gone bad right? I mean, one of the most painful things that I hear from people is that I'm just not a dreamer. I can dream like that. And I feel like that hurts so bad because if you weren't a dreamer, career day in kindergarten would not exist, right? And then the unfortunate thing about dreams is they start to become conditional. They start to become prescriptive. I remember telling one of the um, parents of the players that I used to coach, you know, maybe Catholic schools make sense because you surround yourself with people who just dream bigger. And maybe as just even a offset effect, you absorb that ability. You know, maybe that's it. Maybe it's not the privilege of a Catholic school. Maybe it's just literally surrounding yourself with people who are allowed to dream. I don't know. There's probably validity in that. When you go into your kindergarten classroom and you get to play dress up for the day, mind you, my four-year-old, who's now six, but my four-year-old went to preschool as a cowgirl dog walker, right? How did she even dream that up? I mean, we aren't even in the slightest a cowgirl type family. We live in rural Iowa, not the kind with all the um, horses and cows and wildlife, like the kind with just cornfields and bean fields and small loving communities, um, but not the kind that's like the Wild West with all these animals and farm life, right? We're not like petting chickens in our backyard. Um, just to paint the picture for you. A cowgirl. Where'd that dream come from? That definitely isn't something I talk about on the day to day. Horses aren't anywhere in our culture like what she would have seen and dog walker like we didn't even have a dog so the point of this is that we're all dreamers at some point and then through this journey of disbelief through this journey of people speaking anger hate disbelief into your dreams you start to paint the picture that you can't. And even worse than that, that you, it doesn't apply to you, that you in yourself are not allowed to dream. That other people are dreamers, and chasers, and go-getters, but you aren't like that, 
right? And maybe you really aren't. But I think the beauty of a dream is the roadmap to where you're going. If you can't even put it out there, you're going to get lost. Why wouldn't you? You have no destination. How are you not going to get lost? How is that even possible that you wouldn't? You don't know where you're going. And when you don't know where you're going and you keep it so broad and so unwritten, you're just going to end up wherever life puts you. And the danger of that is that there are forces out there that are going to try to steer you away. Right? And the worst part is the second that you are on the right path, even if you weren't even trying to get there, right? Even if you had put it in a drawer and you dream it quietly and like your the forces are going to start steering you to where you are supposed to go, even if you don't write it down. That is the beauty of life. However, if you don't write it down, if you don't acknowledge it as what you want to do, those forces will steer you away. And you will have to go through pain and trials and triumphs every single time to try to get there. But if you don't know what you're going after, you're never going to know if it's worth getting there. Right? You're never going to try to overcome those things because guess what? They're going to suck. And you are going to spend years and years and years overcoming roadblocks that you don't even fully understand because you don't know where you're trying to go. Right? And here is my example of this. And I say this all the time. I say it to my husband. I say it to myself. Actually, I only said it to my husband like last week because I was pretty sure that I was just like asking for pain at this point. Like, please bring it. This is how I know. This is how I know. Anyways, so here's my case study. I have one. That definitely isn't enough, but I know that they are out there. And hopefully as you're listening to this, you are going to go ahead and produce your own case study. And then guess what? I don't know. Maybe I have 10 listeners now. Boom. I have 11 case studies. What up? That seems like something valid. Science. Let's book it, right? Let's put it in a book. 10 case studies. We're good to go. And if they all result in the same thing, that's probably enough, right? That's pretty consistent. 10 random ass people who listen to this podcast had the same experience. Huh. Yep, I'm going to go ahead and mark that up as science and a real thing. So, I am in my third year as a head coach of a volleyball team. And we had been wildly successful up until this point. And... I mean, like beyond my wildest dreams. And so I remember by the, th the third year. So my first year, we were like, just make state, make state, make state, make state. And we made state. And guess what? We could have won state that year. But the only thing that we actually inked about that year was make state. And I don't think that that wasn't realistic. I think that was a realistic goal for where we were at that point in our building of this program. Making state was a realistic goal. You can't just write down a goal that you're never going to reach or a goal that you are working so hard to reach that you don't even know when you get there 
right? That you're blinded by what that might look like. So I like to call those stair-step goals, right? So as a volleyball program, here's our stair-step goal. This year, big, huge goal, big, huge accomplishment for the program would be making state. And the sad thing is, we could have won state, no question. But we didn't even set that as a goal, right? So we made state, we lost first round, um, and it was epic. It was epic. Coaches spend their entire careers trying to do what I had done in my first season, right? So I'm just like, oh, shit, look out. <laughs> this girl is on fire, right? That's me. <laughs> I'm like, girl, you got it. This is your calling. Uh, this is what you're supposed to do. Work it, work it, work it, work it. Right. So then cut to the next year. And I realized that that goal was just too small. It's too small. We got to dream bigger. Why wouldn't we have dreamed bigger for that year? And realistically, duh, because guess what? Had we dreamed that big, we probably would have fallen smack dab on our faces and we wouldn't have felt as great about that as we did. And we wouldn't have that hunger to come back, to show everybody that this is not a fluke, that we did not just qualify last year, that we are going to come back and do it again, right? And so thankful for that stair-step goal. So we make state, we beat out the team that was picked to win the whole thing first round. We beat the second one because we are just in a fire fury at this point. And we lose in the state final, but we are runners up, right? Whew! Look at us go. And so, again... I'll sing some Alicia Keys for you. No, I actually won't. Spare the change here. So again, we're wildly successful beyond our dreams. Our goal that we set for that year was to win a state title. That's not unrealistic. We got there. Um, we also played in a state title, which makes you a little bit more qualified to actually win one. Um, and... It hurt, and that hurt of coming up short of that fire fueled the next year, realizing that we had prepared, but we hadn't prepared for everything. We hadn't trained for every instance of what we might be up against. We had done great things. We had done good things, but we hadn't graduated into great, and that was going to take focus mentally, physically, there's one more word that I wanted to say, but I can't think of it, but mentally and physically, because I can't think of the third word. So we knew that it was going to take even more to get to that next level because we were there, but we weren't pushing over. So the third year as a head coach, we are like fire, ice, choo, choo, choo. remember like Elsa or whoever I said I was like throwing it everywhere. And we weren't successful um, every time. We still came into our third state tournament with the worst record and one of the lowest rankings. Um, 
but we were almost intentional about that. I remember having the ability to switch our schedule around a little bit, um, to not challenge them as much, to go ahead and just go in there with a nice, cushy, high record so we could get a high seed. And I remember telling the girls, like, that's not going to be worth it because... It's not going to feel good when you get there. And it's not going to prepare you for what you're going to be up against. If you're going to play the best in the state, you might as well play the best in the state and see what you're up against before it actually matters. So you have enough trials and tribulations to know that even at your weakest point, even when you are down, you know what it feels like to get back up again. I want you to fall so many times on your way getting here that you know what it looks like every time. You know what the skin knee looks like and feels like. You know what the bumped elbow looks like and feels like. You know what it feels like to fall and scrape your chin, right? I want you to know how all of those things feel and how it feels to recover from them. Because I can only promise you one thing. It's that you will be tested. And if we test you enough leading up to it, you're going to get to such a comfort level there that you it won't even touch you, right? It'll be like, oh, oh, good try. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we've been up against harder. This really isn't that challenging. I've been in places with my back up against the wall so many times that this is second nature for me. Right? So that's what we're trying to create. Let's go ahead. Let's test it. Let's do it. And so I'm creating this athletic instance that's like, go for it. Show it. Do it. You know, we want to test you so many times that you know how to come back. And I'm creating that based off of what I know to be true in my life. Right? And I'm basing it off of all the things that I've come up against, knowing what my life looked like to get to this point. So I'm I'm trying to create instances that look a lot like life because guess what? Most of you aren't going to be athletes at the higher level, but all of you can learn something from this experience. And so here I am dropping all this wisdom on all these girls. And I'm like, I know this to be true. And I know that I failed to reach my goal, right? That's the instance of this entire podcast, the death of a dream. I know that I didn't reach my first dream. But now I know anytime that I am up against something, I will be tested. And if I overcome that, if and when I overcome that, I will come out on the other side with more fire and push than ever before because I am no longer acknowledging that as something that is going to stop me. I am acknowledging that failure as something that is teaching me. And if you don't go into those instances of your life with that mindset, those things are going to take you down the same way they did to me in college, right? I'm like, oh, Ow, my knee. Oh, my parents divorced. Oh, all the things I want to be taken down. I'm allowing you to take me down. I'm allowing you to create this valley because I cannot overcome this. And the scarier thing is if I acknowledge that that's what I'm doing, 
I'm going to have to overcome it. And then I'm going to have to go chase something down. And I don't want to do that. That's scary because I just failed at my last attempt. Right? And so I had been looking at life and failure and all of the things as something that was set up to keep me in that place. Instead of looking at it like it is something that is set up to test and see if this is what you really want to do. So that's what I started to look at. The second that I got tested, tested beyond my perceived limits, tested beyond what I knew I could accomplish, that's how I knew. That's how I knew. That this was my new roadmap. That I am on the right path. And I better keep going. Right? And it was just a mindset shift. Because the same exact thing that paralyzed me in college. Was now propelling me in this new life. So here I am. I am On this path of success, I am fire everywhere I turn. I am becoming exactly who I want to be in this coaching space, right? I'm getting everything I need. And about, we had just qualified for our third state tournament, my third year as a head coach. And about two weeks before, I had been, let's see. I have been training for a race. Again, (laughs) this person who's not supposed to run. Yep, that's me. Um, But I do run probably about two or three times a year because I really enjoy it, but I do not train anymore. So I just go out and run the one race, but I train in non-impact bearing ways. So that's a side note. You don't actually care about that, but now you know. So I... I'm running this race and, or I'm about to run this race um, for my mother-in-law because she loves to run this race with all of her girls. And I can't tell her that I can't do that, right? (laughs) Who wants to let their mother-in-law down? Nobody. Nobody. Because you don't want to be that daughter-in-law, right? So I'm going to run this race. There's no question. There is, like, I could be in every instance of pain possible, and I am still going to find a way to run this race because I do not want to let my mother-in-law down, ever, just so you know. Plus, she's kind of the coolest person I've ever met in my life. So I am determined that I am going to run this race. And Also, by the way, we just qualified for a state tournament. So like all the stars align and it makes no sense, little to absolutely no sense that I would go run this race because the state tournament is that following starts that following like Wednesday. So it's a Saturday morning race and I would have to leave at the brisk old morning time of I don't know, 4, 4 a.m., maybe 3.30, get up at 3.30. And, of course, that weekend, my husband has softball somewhere, something. And so I have to bring my two daughters. And I'm like, you know what? I got this. I can push a stroller. I mean, I'm not training for this race specifically because I don't, A, have time, B, have the ability, or C, 
have the, actually, no, you know what? I was training for this race, which is probably why I got hurt. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just remembering now. I was actually training for this race because when I run, I get in this mental headspace that allows me to just create and free flow. And honestly, anytime that Drake, Cardi B, or well now Lizzo are in my ears, I am performing at a higher frequency. So anytime that you give me a couple of minutes that I can play any of that goodness into my ears, I am going to come up with something brilliant. How couldn't you? So anyways, I'm running, I'm racing, I'm, I'm like getting ready and oh, of course, my knee just pops and it's all swollen and beautiful. And I'm like, oh, okay. I see you. So that's like two days before the race. So that was Thursday and the race was on Saturday. But I'm like, I see you knee. I'm no, I've been here before. Guess what? I've ran further, right? This is only a six mile race. I ran a 13 mile race on a popped whatever. I'm pretty sure I got this. So cut to race day. Leave at 4 a.m. Have the girls packed up. I just put them in their jammies because, well, honestly, it's 4 a.m. No one wants to wake up two children at 4 a.m. to drive about two hours to go to a race when it's that cold, all the things. So I am, I just am about five minutes away from the school and I'm driving in my 04 Prius, which I still drive today. And I'm like, just in it. I'm probably about 10 minutes from the first bus leaving. Um, But I'm like, okay, I'm five minutes out. That's pretty good time. I could probably get the kids dressed and ready to go and bundled up because it's pretty cold because we run in the fall. Because why wouldn't we? Because I hate running in the fall. Here we go. So I'm just driving and my head's in this different space. And here I'm going. And I'm like, okay, I better text Jordan's sister or whatever. I better tell them that I'm almost here so they'll wait for me so the last bus doesn't leave without me. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to grab my phone. I go to grab my phone. I look down for one second to grab my phone I look up boom deer biggest buck I've ever seen and I am not even like doing a hunting story here I am telling you so I see it it's right in the middle of my Prius in the middle like if there was an actual death sentence for an 04 Prius I'm pretty sure that that is what it is it's a buck standing in front of the Prius. So I'm like, what? Swerve. Swerve. Just hit it on the passenger side. Hit it on the passenger side. Boom. Boom. Tails back hits my um, five-year-old daughter's door with its antlers and then truffles off. And I'm like, okay. Okay. I see you. Whoever doesn't want me to run this race, whoever doesn't want me to do this, I see you, right? You hurt my knee. Now you put the deer here. Very convenient. Real cool. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm still almost on time, even with this, but I better pull into um, Casey's here. And that's a convenience store for those of you who don't know what a Casey's is. Okay, Siri, leave it. Okay. Anyways, Siri's trying to take care of me. Thank you, good woman. So I pull over to Casey's and I get out. I'm like, huh, nothing really leaking here. Calm my five-year-old down. It's okay. It's just a deer. It's okay. 
And I call Jordan's sister and I'm like, hey, I hit a buck, but I'll be right there. So then I pull in. The girls aren't dressed. They're like, the bus is leaving in like two minutes. I'm like, okay, well, so I grab both my girls. I grab the stroller. I don't have a jogging stroller because why would I? I can't actually jog. Um, So it probably isn't a good investment for me to invest in something that's just made for jogging. And I have a jogging stroller, which I borrowed from my sister, um, but it's not a double stroller and I need both girls to be with me in this moment. And so I (laughs) grab them both. It's freezing. It's raining. But I'm like, okay, just pack all this stuff into the stroller. Let's just get everything up. Let's get on this bus. So I'm holding both of them and they're so, so cold. And all these moms are judging me because they're like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I had time, but I hit this deer. Don't worry about it. I'm a good mom. I swear. I have all their clothes right here. Don't worry about it. So then I'm like, you know, getting all the judging. I swear that my kids aren't going to freeze from frostbite. It's not like Iowa winter. It's like Iowa fall. So it's cold, but nobody's going to die. And I'm like patting them on the back. And I'm just like, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I got to get my race number. Okay, here's your race number, whatever. And we get on the bus. And then it's like this hurry scurry to get these kids dressed. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, you want help? But I'm so frantic that nobody can actually help me in this space because there's no way of actually knowing where everything is because I just literally took it all from the trunk of my car and threw it into this bag, assuming that I had everything that I needed. Somehow, I did. The only thing that I forgot is that I had to feed my children, but I had Halloween candy. I don't know where from. So... We get all, I get the kids dressed and ready and somehow I have everything that I need and I get them all bumbled up and we're running and we run for six miles and I only tied the screaming off from said children by handing them candy, obscene amounts of candy that no mother wants to talk about um, at mother's group, like that amount that you don't even actually feel safe telling other mothers because they're going to judge you even harder than they all judged you as you're standing in line. Because it wouldn't be a good place for other mothers to go, oh, sister, I've been there before. Instead, we all go, oh, those babies should not be outside. Oh, and then even worse, you come up, oh, those babies don't have shoes on. You know, your daughter doesn't have shoes on, right? It's cold. Yeah, thanks, Bernice. Real helpful. I'm not aware. I'm just oblivious to my children not having shoes into the freezing cold temperatures that I'm subjecting them to. I had no idea because I'm actually that bad a mom. You know, just hand her a freaking blanket or come over and just cuddle them while I'm trying to do whatever the fuck it is I'm trying to do, right? That would actually be helpful instead of you distracting me from what I'm trying to fucking do in the first place, Bernice. Thanks. Anyways, so, so we get done with this race and I mean, it's crazy. And my then two-year-old is like in a mental state that isn't safe that had more mothers judging me as I'm running this race and also everyone's judging me because I don't have a racing stroller I just have like a double stroller that's not built for any speeds worth going and so I get done with the race and I'm like dang awesome like whoa and we get back to my car and it is without a doubt totaled I mean 
I can't even believe. So then my husband's like, well, what are you going to do? You can't drive your car back. And I'm like, no, here's the thing. I think I can. Nothing's dragging. Nothing's leaking. I feel good about it. No, you have to leave it there and you just have to buy a new car. And I'm like, honestly, I don't have time this week. Like right now I have practice tomorrow. I have practice Monday, Tuesday. If we get through this week, I can figure out what to do with this car. But right now in this instance, I don't have time to figure out a car situation. So guess what? I'm just going to have, this is going to have to work. Right. And I'm like, if I'm supposed to keep going down this journey, it's just going to work. And, and people can keep presenting instances where I don't go after this goal again, but I'm not going to stop. I can't stop. The last time I did, I felt so unfulfilled in my pursuit. The last time that I let the bad things overcome me, it hurt too bad to not go do it now. You're so close. Right? And life is just going to keep putting these instances in front of you, especially when you're on your path. And it will feel like, oh no, I better stop. Oh no, here we go again, right? Knee blew out again. Why are you running? All of these keep coming in my mind. Why do you keep running? Well, I have to run. I have to get to this mental space to be able to keep coaching these girls in this way. I have to to go run this race because I love my mother-in-law more than most people should. It's actually unhealthy in some senses. I have to go do that for her. I have to be this person that I keep promising everyone I am. And more than anything, I have to be unshakable for the dreams and goals that I have for my life. And this goal, I wrote down. I wrote it down at the beginning of the season. I've been writing it down since I shook the first hand. It was probably a high five. Since I gave the first high five to the state qualifying basketball team that walked through my middle school. Right? That moment I had written that dream to make it to state, to win a state title, and I gave up on that dream. But this person knew better. This person knew that you're just testing me. These are tests. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to chase this goal down. I'm supposed to overcome all of these things because it is going to help me in some way get there. Right? So then cut to the game before the state title game. And this really was the state title game. And we had played two sets and we had lost pretty dismally. And I just kept telling my girls, you just have to keep working them. This is exactly what we planned on, right? We planned on needing to wear them down. You just have to keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep pushing them, keep testing them. They haven't been tested like you've been tested. I am telling you, you've been tested more. Keep pushing, keep going. And that's what I called for in those timeouts, that third set. Like, you got to pull through here. You are so close. And I'm speaking to all of the instances of my life, where I didn't pull through for myself, where I didn't come through and get my own dream. I didn't chase it down, but I am pulling from those places now. And I am telling you, young high school athletes in front of me, pull now. 
Here's where you pull from those instances where you lost. Here's where you pull from those instances that were so hard that you didn't think you'd get through there and you did pull from there. Right? Pull it. Find it. Find this game three. Then find four and five and do it now. Because if you don't, you will regret it the rest of your life and you'll tell tales of I almost did. But I didn't. And I spoke that to them and in game three, it was like 26, 26, and then 27, 27, and somehow we held and we pulled game three. And in volleyball, the third set, if you lose, you're done. 3-0, you're out. You have to win that third set if you've lost the first two. So we pull it out. I believe the end score was like 28, 26, right? We pull that out. In game four, they are just down exactly what we talked about, right? They were down so low, they didn't have any strength or power left. And those games were so back and forth, and it was so nerve wracking. But in that moment, I knew that I had already been tested harder than this, that this couldn't even get me down, that I was unshakable in this instance, because guess what? This is just volleyball. This is something I know, right? And I've been tested so many times along this path that I know right now I am where I'm supposed to be. And I knew that morning, that very morning, I had updated my Facebook post and my status was be unshakable. And all of the instances, the race, the deer, the me driving that car, it getting me everywhere that I needed to go, my knee giving out, my voice going out, all of the things, I knew that in that moment I had to be unshakable. For my team, I knew that all of those things, you know, getting my kids ready, having all the judging, not being able to get any help because I was in such a fury panic of being late— I didn't have time to be nervous. It was do or die in that instance, right? And so I had been tested in that way, so I was ready for it. The next minute, that was about to come to me, right? And that's the beauty of it. We feel like those test moments are to break us, but they are to build us. Those test moments are to build you with so much fury, fire, and failure that you don't even question it. When those tests happen, that should fuel you even more, right? It's so hard to reframe what tests feel like in that way, but once you do, you'll realize, hey, I'm on the right path right? I knew that I was going to reach that goal that day. And yes, we did win a state championship. I knew that it was coming, right? That's how I know all great things are coming. I'm probably tested four or five times. And honestly, I'm tested harder than I even want to be in most instances. But that's how I know. That's how I know that greatness is coming, right? That's how you know those tests, those instances, and you can either let them fail you or you can let them fire you. Not fire like that. 
dang it, I really was thinking that I'd come up with a better ending. Anyways, you guys are awesome. Have a great day.